Hello, this is our first learning group discussion recording. I'm Sophie Jordan. I'm Aileen Wozniacki. I'm Katie Grinnell. And I'm Hallie Tulak. So the first thing we wanted to talk about um, happened actually on the first day. It was one of the first things that we were exposed to in this practicum and it was the homelessness in LA video. And I just thought that that was a great way to start this practicum. Obviously we're doing um, practicum in a different way than we all originally thought. Um, but starting with homelessness and houselessness, I think was really vital because as we learned in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, you need food and shelter before you're going to get before you're going to care about getting other services. So I think many of us um, human service studies majors or minors, when we think about what we want to do in the world when we're out of college, might relate to addiction or mental health, which is obviously equally important. But it's important to also realize that many people that are struggling right now are struggling with a place to live and a place to rest their head every night, mm -hmm. and that they're not going to prioritize being drug-free or um, working on their substance abuse or mental health if they don't have that place to rest their head every night. And that was a perspective I hadn't really thought about before. Houselessness has never been something that I've been particularly passionate about, um, but starting a practicum off that way I thought was really beneficial because I realized that, yes, mental health services are extremely important, but um, mm. it people aren't concerned about that if, like you said, if they're sleeping on the street and don't know where their next meal is coming from. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I think that it's one of those things that we watch this video, and since we live in the United States, we have this, like, somehow idea that, you know, conditions like that don't exist in our country, but then to see this and have even people, you know, living in it compare it to a third world refugee camp, um, and say that conditions are worse. They don't even have like as many bathrooms. They have enough. I think we said it was like a thousand people for a bathroom. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that what you're saying is totally right. Um, and they did talk about how some people, if they got through rehab and beat their addiction, they were given housing. But then if you were unable to overcome your addition, addiction, they kind of just left you back out on the street. It seemed like a lot of empty promises. Um, and mental health services are, you're right, like one of the best ways to help these people, but until you give them the base, <laughs> it's hard to even maintain the progress you make because if you go into a facility and then are put right back onto the streets, they're just setting you up to relapse, to go back into the addiction that held you in the first place. Yeah, and it also brought up like the question of who deserves this housing or who deserves um, help versus others. So we saw that, um, as mentioned before, um, those who went through rehab successfully were the ones who were given houses, but the ones who um, maybe didn't get through it, um, weren't even given a second chance, and just put back on the streets. As well as um, women and families were more um, likely to be given housing, and a lot of men, and specifically black men, were on the streets um, more so um, and <laughs> that can bring us into another um, discussion we had on day one which was um, from the two words music video by most deaf um, we uh, related this to the storming of the capitol and what all of our feelings were about all of that a lot of people said 
disappointed and confused and just hadn't seen this coming. Um, but as we looked at the history of social workers and just the history of in America, um, it's pretty clear that things like this were gonna happen. Um, in the 70s, we talked about how um, the KKK and other white supremacist groups were in full force and um, took a lot, were pretty big in America. And um, these groups just kind of get quieter as time goes on, but they are still here and they're still here today too. So um, it, it's really not that surprising or confusing. It's pretty straightforward what's happening. And um, there are pretty straightforward answers, but it's just hard to get to them, I think. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting to see the ties that um, the rise of white supremacy has with our presidential office, um, mm -hmm. because as we learned, the rise in the late 70s was partnered with Reagan being in office. Um, and I think, um, you know, we can look at the similarities or differences between, um, in America, we are not lucky enough, but it's very interesting to see that you can clearly see differences in social policy and just overall political atmosphere in the country based off of who's in office. And mm -hmm. it's almost like you could, you could cookie cutter those times and see complete differences between, you know, Reagan and then who he was followed by or who preceded him. Mm -hmm. And so, like, right now we're just almost experiencing a very similar thing to what happened when Reagan was in office. Like now Trump has been in office for the past four years and we have had that same very visible rise in white supremacy and white supremacist organizations. And um, I just, you know, the whole time that we're thinking about this and learning about this, I was, you know, I wasn't surprised about what happened at the Capitol because of the four years that we've had of Trump but I hadn't learned about the previous rises in white supremacy under Reagan or all of those things. Yeah. And so, you know, I just, reflecting on that and thinking on that and thinking about uh, Professor Bernie's comment about like, oh, your parents have, you know, sheltered you well and like all this stuff and mm -hmm. that is true, but also, you know, in our education, do my parents even know that? Did they mm -hmm. even learn about that? Right. So how are they supposed to teach me about things like that? Yeah. Right. Um, and so that was just some thoughts that I had while we were Yeah, absolutely. About all that. And, uh, oh, you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, the idea that a lot of people were like, oh, because Trump is in office, all of these people are acting this way, and they never were before. But if we look back, um, you can just see that there are just times where groups like this are quieter and Trump shares some views with these groups. So they felt like they were able to come out of hiding, I guess, and just be more bold and more uh, vocal about their white supremacist beliefs. But they were always here. Yeah. They're just now not afraid of punishment as yeah. much. Mm -hmm. Seriously. Exactly. exactly. Um, Hallie and I were both in... Um, Dr. Warner's class this fall, Social Policy, where we also did this history of social policy. And um, 
I honestly, I enjoyed the refresher because mm-hmm. it was yeah. it was interesting reading this again after taking that class and diving into this practicum. And I definitely think some students were wondering why are we learning yeah. about the entire history of the United States starting in the, I think, 1600s is where the timeline yeah. starts yeah. up until the Obama, uh, Clinton administration. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, as we've been discussing throughout this class, I mean, throughout this <laughs> podcast, that is such a fascinating that was such a I think great thing to do this first week because Mm -hmm. like I said like we have a biased American education system it's not it's not working um we talk about race um in elementary school and middle school in in a way that is not accurate and in a way that is does not make it up to be as severe and as the one one of the things that this document the social policy document does that I think so well is that so much of this racism, so much of the racism in America has been directly because of policy. Mm-hmm. It's not because of, oh, he, humans want it this way. I'm, I'm not wording this the way I want to, but <laughs> like, okay. you, like you were saying, Katie, no, the administrations it. are directly um, a mirror mm-hmm. to, and redlining in the 30s, starting with that, like that was a direct move by the government to. Yeah have houses and to have it make it harder for black Americans to um, establish equity and home ownership. That was direct. That wasn't, and now we just see that and, and people who aren't educated on it just see it as, oh, why are, why is homelessness more of a problem for black Americans? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's because this started in the thirties. Yeah. It's because we've created systems for them, against them. The um, system's designed yeah. for them to fail. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I just think, like, yeah, but the big issue, too, is, like, this is all rooted in, like, you know, the same one theories that I think that this also was really helpful to go over this history of social welfare and everything because all the things that you're like, how did this theory even start? Like, religion and social Darwinism. Like, mm-hmm. you hear these things and you're like, this sounds crazy. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you share the wealth of God, you'll get more wealth and that's why you should share your wealth and like people who don't have wealth are being punished by God right and, you know survival of the fittest and all these things that sound kind of barbaric but then you look at policy and things that we hold especially in the United States and you're like oh wow it, a lot of our views and policies are rooted in all mm-hmm. of these things and it's kind of scary I think yeah that you know you can still see this now and you're right like we don't learn about this side of things like even when you do learn about like social darwinism it never kind of tells you like the effects of what this theory ended up doing and yeah like even with like reagan specifically like i just remember learning like reagan like being like a very charismatic president mm-hmm. yeah. like the just say no campaign uh-huh. oh that must have kept children Reaganomics off of drugs. and everything yeah. yes <laughs> like so like casual and like you never like learn anything he did and then now you're looking at all this stuff and you have, you have to like take a specific class yeah. like mm-hmm. to delve into these things rather than being taught in your like however many years, 10 years of U.S. history that you have growing up. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And like Katie mentioned before, as uh, Dr. V said, um, a lot of us, I'm sure, were, quote, sheltered by our parents, but we were all sheltered by our like growing up like education as well. I wasn't taught by my parents a lot of history, but the school should have made up for some mm-hmm. of that. And it's just disappointing looking back, I guess, now that we just weren't taught um, yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. And one of the 
one of the more positive things, I guess, that mm -hmm. I found um, also in history was um, in the article about neoliberalism, um, it, close to the beginning, it, it says that um, President Roosevelt actually gave a State of the Union address in 1944 and introduced an entire second Bill of Rights, which included things like the right to a useful job, the right to earn enough to provide, provide adequate care for your mm -hmm. family. And these are all things that we're still fighting for today. Um. And so I just, I mean, like hopefully history will repeat itself in a good way this mm -hmm. time and you know, we can maybe bring this to light and, and understand that, you know, a president had these ideals in the past and okay they weren't acted upon and put into place but perhaps we can work to actually add a second bill of rights that includes all of yeah. these things that mm -hmm. you know we are all fighting for and, and trying to accomplish so mm -hmm. I thought that was really really interesting mm -hmm. yeah definitely do we want to do our questions yeah yeah okay. so we're excited for next week to continue yeah. <laughs> diving into this stuff in the first yeah. few days there was a, a, a lot, lot of good <laughs> yeah. good articles and <laughs> okay so our two questions for the um responses one of them is what are some ways the education system can change so that um, we're taught the whole truth of america's history or like the future generations are taught the whole truth and the second question is, um, so if we have been raised in this neoliberal society, um, since it's all that we know, how can we change it? Cool. Yay. Yay. So, <laughs> thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. See you next week.